Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Hey, y'all, once again, time for our very special, uh, well, technically first day of the week, for those of you who know that Sunday begins it. Uh, but at the same time, you know, whatever day you are listening or watching, these, these special weekly events have happened that, that we call Sunday Conversations. They can happen any day, anytime. Anytime you are so moved or inspired. And and for me, the inspiration was uh, super done. My buddy Kevin said, you know what? This, this Sunday show is kind of bringing a different crowd in to the mix. You know who you are. And they're just intimate conversations, obviously not scripted. We typically don't script anything on the Robert Scott Bell show. But I, I you know, I love to, you know, openly discuss faith and uh, spiritual experience and you know, the, the upliftment I receive from talking to people of faith who live it and, you know, how you define it, how they define it isn't to me as important as those who walk it and they're living inspirations for me. They uplift me as I hope to uplift anyone who who listens to the show, even though we do talk about a lot of serious issues as such. So um, we have a very special guest today joining us in just a moment. Uh, I, I, you know, I'd say it this way, the husband of someone you know very well, and, and, you know, it's funny because he's a big guy. And yet uh, the woman he married, Ula, you all know Ula Tinsley, is such a force to be reckoned with. And she's a force of love, force of good, just a super mom, a warrior mom and all of that. And uh, her husband, Mark, and the story she's told about their connection, I'll get it from Mark Sangle a little bit today as well. But Mark Tinsley is going to join us. Also a pastor, uh, has a beautiful congregation there in South Carolina. And, you know, if I met their whole family, their kids, and they're just Again, loving, uplifting, warm people that are sincere as the day is long, as we say. Maybe that's a Southern expression. Um, but I just have a great time connecting with folks uh, like them. And I and I know you'll enjoy Mark. Ula can't be with us today. but uh, So we got the preacher, not the Polish girl, because the, uh, the podcast on the Robert Scott Bell Network uh, is the preacher and the Polish girl. And so we got that coming on right now. And welcome to the Sunday Conversations on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Mark. Tinsley, Pastor Mark, how's it going? Great, Robert. How are you? I, I'm doing well. It's really great to connect with you at any and all times. And I think w- what's um, funny about the opportunity here is I can I can talk about Ula and she can't say anything about it, and you can too. exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I'm thinking it really should have been called the preacher and the pretty girl. And unfortunately, you're not getting the pretty one today. You're getting the preacher. Right? No, it's okay. It's really great. I mean, I was thinking, you know, as big and as strong as you are. You know, I look at Ula and, you know, I look at the women in our life and go, yes, really the, the strength that uh, we rely on to do a lot of what we do. Absolutely. In fact, we just, you know, observed Mother's Day, of course, this past weekend, and we honored all the moms. We always give the the rose, but we also did video tributes and we just talked about their contributions to our congregation and just how they are so essential to to who we are as a congregation, who we are as men, as children. Oh man, thank God for moms. Thank God for just the women in our life. Mm-hmm. And I happen to be married to one of those, um, uh, you know, just she's, she's dynamite. She yeah. is dynamite comes in small packages sometimes. And she is definitely a dynamite and, and, um, yeah, I, she's, she's I, special. 
I would like to hear from your perspective about how you met your wife to be, you know, cause again, yes, Chris and uh, you know, the, the journey from Poland for her, for you being sure. international and, and where was it in your journey to faith as well? And, you know, maybe mm-hmm. there was a dark night of soul in there because I think absolutely about your, your, your son and the struggle with, you know, having him vaccine injured, you know, all of this mm-hmm. is involved in our yes. journey. Uh, absolutely. Go back as far back as you want in terms of setting the stage here. Well, uh, I lived a very typical Southern boy life until about the age of eight. Um, my dad decided that he wanted to be a missionary overseas. He wanted to be a church planner and go to the other side of the world. And he was a, you know, he was a supervisor in a, in a local cop mill. And he made a decision to, to this drastic change to, to go on the road, raise sponsorship, visit churches like-minded that would share in the, his vision. And so we went straight from the mill hill to the mission field. And we left for the Middle East when I was 10 years old. Wow. And so I spent what you'd call the wonder years in Cyprus. Um, and so we, we, I grew up there and I was sort of, as I got older and I graduated high school there, I just kept flipping back and forth from the United States to Cyprus, Cyprus, U.S., U.S., Cyprus. Well, in those years, uh, even though I became a Christian at a young age, um, and I received Christ as, as, as an 11 year old, I did what a lot of kids of faith do. Unfortunately, a lot of preachers, kids, you, you sort of have this illusion that, oh, wait, maybe I've missed out on some things. Yeah. The re- so I, well, I think about the rebellion oftentimes mm-hmm. where, you know, I've had yep. friends that were raised it as, you know, their father was a preacher and man, mm-hmm. they can be some of the wildest children, you know, trying to figure out what this is all about. Like you described. Unfortunately, I went through a period of, of life where I tried to live up to that, uh, <laughs> to that statement that about preacher's kids. So mm-hmm. thankfully God spared me from, you know, the deepest ditch, but it was just what I call, I've described many times as flirting with the devil, <laughs> kind of flirting with disaster. Right. And by the way, great Molly hatchet song. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, they're, they're actually in this area shortly. They come to South, the upstate of South Carolina very often. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think about, again, I was uh, adopted in, as a Southerner, right? As a New right. York Jewish boy going down to Florida mm-hmm. and neutralizing our, our Northern roots and then becoming a Southerner in Georgia for 30 years. And, you know, I hear your Southern accent and you talk to me about growing up from 10 years old in Cyprus. And so yes. I, I hear your Southern and it's like, for me, uh, if it's considered a broadcast neutral, th- just talk, you know, uh, if I get back in the South, it's immediately the Southern in me comes out. Yes. Well, I had to get repatriated, re-southernized um, because, you know, I spent so much time in Cyprus and I was around a lot of, well, a lot of Brits, a lot of people from just all over Europe. And so I probably lost some of my Southernism, but it's definitely been reclaimed in the last seven years. Uh, I never I never stopped uh, enjoying the Southern way of life. I, I, I always have appreciated the friendliness you know, the, just the realness of people. And I'm not saying people aren't real elsewhere, but just very down to earth part of the, part of the country. And, you know, and I was kind of pulled from that at a young age, you know, we grew up, we had 22 rifles and a horse and a cow and a few goats and chickens, you know, all those things. And then we went to um, almost a desert land in some ways. I mean, Cyprus has a lot of natural beauty, but it also is very humid, very dry place, very typical Middle Eastern place. And so, it was definitely a huge culture shock. Did you have to learn uh, other languages at that young age? 
to or no? We didn't. Cyprus is one of those unique places. It's a former British colony. So there's kind of like two official languages. Even the road signs are in English and Greek. Okay. Now I have pursued Greek. I'm fairly good in conversational everyday Greek. And I'm also reasonable in, in biblical Greek, um, which I, I try to, um, to use for, you know, sermon prep and kind of understanding deeper words in the scriptures. Um, but no, we didn't have to actually learn, although although we did all become students of Greek. Sure. It was more just a desire rather than a necessity. So you go back and forth, back and forth through your teen years, Cyprus, still? Well, really, yes, because in, in the mission world, um, in our particular domination, every two or three years, you would have what's called a furlough. So you'd come home, you'd kind of um, see the family, visit some of the churches, give everybody a, an in-person update, and then you'd head back. Mm. So we did that until the age of, until, until the age of kind of 16, 17. And as soon as I got old enough to leave Cyprus on my own, I left in the mid nineties. Um, but there was just something about Cyprus that always pulled me back. I could never quite get settled here. It just wasn't God's timing. I'm, I'm completely settled now because I have my family with me. Yeah. But back in those days, I just could never find my way here. And so I'd always bounce back to Cyprus. Yeah. And you said about the, the flirt, <laughs> flirting with the devil. Flirt with the devil. Uh, yes. And that, that journey, you know, I always like to think about um, if you're born into a, a, a faith or, or mm -hmm. not, there's a journey that we're made. And I believe God wants us to choose rather than just be, you, you just happen to be in it, you know, so that our faith is tested, you know, and, and, and I think that's part of a, the process of coming back to God and spirituality and that, that love and upliftment. Absolutely. Robert. The, the thing is I I've had atheist friends say to me, well, the only reason you believe this particular way is because of where you were born in the United States. If you had been born in a different part of the States, you would probably be a different denomination. If you were born in India, if you were born in wherever, and that's true only to this point, it's only true in terms of, of, of religious affiliation, but faith is not it, to, to me, it's relationship and it's something you choose. Um, yeah. Now, ultimately, we believe God chooses us. That, that's what I believe, that God chooses us. Um, but ultimately, faith has to be real to you. It has to be personal to you. Mm -hmm. So I know many, I have many friends who grew up the same way as I did, but some of them are practicing Muslims now. Some of them are atheists. Some of them are sort yeah. of somewhere between agnosticism and atheism. Some have changed denominations. So mm -hmm. you, you, you are only a product of your surroundings um if you if, if it never becomes personal and real to you, you just yeah. kind of go with the flow but people that are actually uh, what i would consider pursuing people of faith it, it is definitely a, a god thing it's a personal thing yeah. and it's not something that you just uh, embrace just because you're around it well and and that's for me like you said the inspiration to be a person of faith is often coming through other people who have had experiences that exude with every pore of their being not it's yes. not just a mental construct or as i said you know the idea of being or a warrior for god thing that you have to beat sure. people up convert them or kill them there's a history of that in, in a lot of religions sure. of the world sure. and and i think it's a misunderstanding or something a misapplication of this idea that you, we come to god out of love you know such a yes. gift that is so overwhelming that it melts away the the anger and all the things that have happened, the tragedies that we've occurred to overwhelm, because a lot of people will have tragedies in their life and they'll turn against God or curse God in a yes. sense. And God can take it. No, don't get me wrong. I sure know he can. Yeah. You know, it's part of that process of 
often I hear stories of, you know, that anger that eventually melts away because there's a love, there's a gift, something breaks through that resistance. Yes. And I, and I, and I believe that is the grace of God. Uh, grace ha has this great acronym. Uh, a lot of people use uh, grace stands for God's riches at Christ's expense, God's riches at Christ's expense. So that's what I, I believe with all my heart, I encountered at, at the age of 11, I was sort of made aware of, of that, that I was what the Bible describes as a sinner, someone who needs the redemption of Christ. And so at that moment, 11 years old, in February of 89, I had that moment with my maker where I admitted that I was a sinner. I put my trust in what he did on the cross of Calvary. He was he died on the cross. He was buried and he rose again the third day. And I said, yes, I believe it. And I believe that's what will, uh, I believe he's the only way to be saved. And so I received that gift at that age. But even when you receive that gift, uh, the walk with your with, with your savior, uh, th that is something that you face a lot of opposition uh, with, you know, not just from your surroundings, but ultimately from the what we would describe as the ultimate enemy, Satan. He, he's kind of putting roadblocks. Sure. To he, keep he, you from. It's like the the overt acceptance in a you know experience yes. like that at 11 you're like wow 11 good mm -hmm. lord that's young right at the same time now you got to walk through life and you're going to be tempted right there's yes. going to be so many opportunities to go and stray and i i my belief system is that you know god set it up this way so that again we come back through choice even though yeah i believe we are chosen by god at the same time yes it's it's reciprocal in some ways i you know certainly god you know, he, he he longs for us to be redeemed and restored, but he allows us to have that free will. Now, I know a lot of people disagree with that. There's people who would identify more with what's known in our in, in Christianity as Calvinism. Mm -hmm. uh, that's something that I don't embrace at all. I believe that men are free agents. And well, um, tell me about Calvinism. I don't want to assume everybody knows. Uh, sure. Well, well, Calvinism is is basically the a more of extreme view that God purposes certain people to go to heaven and certain people to go to hell and man's will does not come at all into the equation. Wow. Okay. Now we certainly, I accept God's knowledge. God knows everything. God knows who will be redeemed, who will not be redeemed. Of course that is true, but to, but to remove the element of free will completely from the equation mm -hmm. is a stretch is a stretch too far. Uh, because wow. yeah. because God is is definitely willing, you know, the famous verse that Ula puts as her mantra, you know, and most most Christians do John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever anybody whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So to me, you don't even have to go deep into the to the scriptural doctrines to kind of mm -hmm. push Calvinism aside and say that's an extremist view of God's. Uh, sovereignty. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've said this many times besides the gift of life, which is so extraordinary, right next to it is that gift of freedom and free will and agency. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And, you know, it, people ask about, you know, why, why are Jews called the chosen people? And my, my, my father, you know, who later in his life, you know, joined singles group with the uh, Methodist minister group. And, and uh, this guy was, became a mentor to him. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. He said, he answered the question. He says, you know, why did Jews, why are they chosen people? Because they choose to be, you know, and it was a thing because it goes right back to the that choice aspect, the freedom, the yes. free agency. So what you're describing of Calvinism is, uh, look, I don't want to knock anybody's beliefs if you believe that. Mm -hmm. but it seems mm -hmm. like to be the antithesis of that 
freedom that I've experienced uh, as God's gift of life and, again, the choice to make so that I could learn and and not come back because I'm afraid necessarily, but because sure. I choose the path because it is it's the right path, you know? Sure. Sure. And, and I would, and I would embrace that view also. Now, again, there's nuances. There's a lot of things to be discussed. They have their answers. We have our, uh, you know, rebuttals, but ultimately uh, I think as we, each of us go through life, we realize that we are making choices uh, and we live and die by those choices. Mm-hmm. And, and so God is, is in the equation. Certainly if you're following him, uh, I believe the Holy Spirit is present with you and he's kind of that voice of, of truth deep down. What we describe sometimes as the still small voice. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's not demanding. He's not beating on the doors. He is that voice of truth deep within the heart of man. Yeah. We had uh, Dr. Batar on last week and uh, he he shared his personal experiences of, you know, basically dying, coming back kind of thing and being poisoned mm-hmm. and, and that big message that he came out with was like, tell them about free will, tell them about free agent, tell them wow. about freedom to choose. Wow. Uh, because so many during the COVID years uh, made quote unquote choices that were coerced into them as if they were yes. making them. It's like, uh, well, if you get the shot, then you're going to be free again, which is like a, a, an ultimate Satan, satanic trap. Uh, you know. Well, well, like the shirt I'm I'm, I'm wearing, faith yeah. over fear. Yes. You know, and that's Psalm one eighteen. Uh, verse six is what it says underneath the fear. It says, this is a famous Psalm. They're all famous. I mean, the Psalms are amazing. It says, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? Um, and I believe that people of faith um, should should adhere to that and say, well, really, if God be for you, who can be against you? You know, that's kind of echoed throughout scripture. It's not just the old, it's also the new. Yeah. So we're not, we're not designed, we're not purposed to live in fear. Now we, we recognize the fear of the Lord as a reverence. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's, that's in Proverbs, but we don't live like every time I make a mistake, God's dropping a hammer to smash me into pieces. And that's sadly how a lot of people live. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm a testament to the grace of God, the fact that I did a lot of stupid things, you know, when I was young, like a lot of people do, and I'm not excusing yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And God didn't come down with an anvil. He could have, and he would have, he didn't have oh. to explain himself or defend his position, but he restored me. He comes down with more opportunities for redemption. And thankfully it coincided with my meeting with Ula oh, because okay. I, I wasn't in a place um, spiritually or emotionally or any any other aspect to meet an amazing person like Ula and actually have the chemistry and have the connection that we had. Um, I think I would have missed the boat with Ula had mm-hmm. I met had we met earlier because I was just not in a good place. And um, so not long before we met, just a few months before we met, I had that moment where I what I would describe as coming back to God uh, and saying, you know, I surrender my life. I'm not going to run anymore. I'm going to do exactly what you want me to do. I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll I'll be anything you want me to be. Just use me again. I want to be used. I I don't want to stay on the shelf. And it wasn't long after that that I met this amazing lady named Ula. And so at that point I'd thrown my cigarettes away and, you know, she's not only anti-smoking, but she's kind of allergic to cigarette smoke. And again, I'm not bashing anybody that smokes. If that's all you have to stand before God for, I'd say, wow, you got a, you got an easy journey. Mm-hmm. But for me wanting to be in ministry, I knew it would be kind of a, you know, a hindrance. It would kind of sure. maybe. And so I, I threw that away and, and thankfully I wasn't a smoker when I met Ula. 
because I would have missed out on this smoking lady if I had been if I if I, if I was still smoking because it would have just been a natural aversion for her. So God was kind of removing some stuff and positioning me, getting me where I needed to be with Him uh, just before we met, which I find amazing. You know, God's timing is incredible. Yeah, I, I've heard it said that God loves us more than we love our own defilements. You know, that is the things that would be denigrating to our sure, our, sure our, our life, our our uh, you know our gift of life, the temple we're inhabiting. And, you know, this has been a big part of my learning and my message that um, God loves you, you know, so much. And, and the question yes. is, do you love yourself enough to give yourself only the best? And, and wow, you know, that's good. Destruction. And, you know, that's a hard one to come to because we don't want to acknowledge that we don't love ourselves, especially mm-hmm. when you understand our creator loves us so much. It's like, yes, it's almost like spitting at the creator to go, I don't love the thing you created me. Right. You're absolutely right. I mean, we, we 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 basically are cursing what he made. We're we're when we speak ill of one another. When when we I hate terms like I hate when people use things like white trash. That is such a horrible, abhorrent mm. phrase to me because, uh, like our chiropractor says, and it's on all of your signage, God doesn't make trash. God right. doesn't make junk. And I hate for humans to speak about other humans as if they are just nothing. Well, they're less than Uh, that. That's not God's uh, planet or mindset at all. Yeah. I remember uh, my buddy Laban Ditchburn. uh, He says, no negative self-talk. Stop with the negative self-talk. Like no tolerance, (laughs) negative self-talk. And, uh, you know, it's a a fine line between being humorous and ribbing one another. Yes, absolutely. And then taking it and, and owning it and wearing that, you know, mantle of whatever denigrated terms that we utilize. So I'm not meaning to discard humor as, as something. That no, no, nor me, nor, yeah. nor I, we, we can, we can have, a, in fact, we, we need to be um, willing to laugh at ourselves. Um, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing, but it's, yeah. it's just to the point where we don't despise ourselves, despise others because of the differences. You know, I, I'm very passionate about, about my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but I do not hate those that don't share that faith. I, I don't despise those that um, uh, are, are, are not where I'm at. It. Uh, I, I want to always have compassion for people. I have a lot of things I disagree with in this country. People I disagree with, in particular, sure. uh, but 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 to hate them and despise them is. Crazy. You probably witnessed people like that. I have certainly growing up in the Deep South. Uh, of course, and, and, you know, this rare yeah. Jewish person that they'd never met before. And, you know, you hear this, um, that they, they would actually preach some level of hatred. So I'm not saying it doesn't exist. It's like, well, what is it about that, that you can go, look, we may profess the similar beliefs, for instance, in, 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 in Christ, whatever. And then they will preach a, a, a form of hatred. If you don't accept what I say, you must, because I read it this way. And this is the only way it goes Sure, For the love that you exude and Ula exudes and, welcoming all, you know, and, and, and recognizing that, uh, each of us are on our own journey. And, uh, you know, as like I said, there's a distinction it might be subtle, but it's very powerful and overt. And, and some, some of the evangelical community I interacted with early on in my younger years in the South, uh, that kind of turned me off of these Christians are not very Christ-like. I, I can appreciate that. And now what I've learned, I can, pl- I, I concur wholeheartedly with what you've said and it, and it exists still to this day, sadly. And I still come across people that maybe share my doctrine, but they don't share my, 
And again, I'm not trying to build myself up. They don't share that compassion and kindness. I, I, I see, I still believe in kindness. Um, I believe that kindness makes a difference. And uh, now what I have learned living overseas Mm. is that I know the United States gets a bad rap. I know particularly the South, the Deep South gets a bad rap. But sadly, racism and prejudices exist everywhere. Uh, it existed in Cyprus. Um, I, I experienced it in a different way being an American, you know, being in a part of the world that's, you know, where our government isn't exactly popular. <laughs> you know, so I had some 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 sketchy moments myself. Um, and then every country I've visited, I have witnessed and observed um, everyday prejudices. So I think, I think the world is a little rich about how they kind of disparage the South or disparage the United oh, States. I, I am with, I've, I'm so yeah. annoyed because as I grew up, became an adopted Southerner. I appreciated yes. so much of, uh, the cultural, uh, you know, benefits in terms of kindness and yes. uh, gentility as well. And, and, you know, as I, would hear the attitudes of those from the North. This, this is a uniquely American thing. Maybe you don't mm -hmm. experience it. We got listeners and viewers from all over the world, sure, sure. but going back to what they called the civil war, uh, there are as residue even today of a Northern uh, perspective on the Southerners. Now, um, this is Absolutely. not me in any way defending the, the uh, institution of slavery, although slavery mm -hmm. still exists today around the world. Sadly, it's, not, it's even worse now. Yeah, it's not necessarily a black or white. It's never been about one race or another. There's it's so it's minimalistic in terms of interpretation when you only look at it in the antebellum South. But the reality is um, there's a lot of um, uh, really deep hearted goodness that yes. it would be overwhelming and embarrassing to those in the North that have this intellectual uh, superiority. Correct. Well, these resi the residuals that still exist. Now, I'm not trying to say everybody is like that, nor are you. No, no. I, as I come to embrace the benefits and the, and the wonders of the culture of the South, I, I really gravitate more as an American born in the North mm -hmm. to that, that. I identify more with that in a, in a sense. And, um, I, I don't know how better better to say this, but again, it comes back to um, an acknowledgement, a recognition of everybody's unique experience on this planet yes. or within yes. the same country. And yes. as opposed to looking as I'm superior to you because of this or that. And yes. that's where I think ego gets the best of us or the worst of us when we talk about Absolutely. our faith as well. Or we can even feel in certain denominations of Christianity uh, they'll play one over the other. Like if we disagree or you disagree with Calvinism, does it mean we denigrate Calvinists by having a disagreement or we go, okay, yeah. different interpretation, different perspective. And, and, you know, God gave us the eyes and ears to have these experiences for a reason. Yes. I, I couldn't agree more. The, we, we must not let our differences uh, cause division and distance and hatred and, you know, it's natural for us. We want people to agree with us. I mean, I want people to agree with me. You know, as a pastor, I want to be convincing. And, and, and I, you know, I use this script every week. I have a script. It's 60. It's a book of it's, it's a collection of 66 books. And of course, I want to be persuasive um, when I when I teach and preach. Um, but I also know that it's up to the listener and it's up to the Holy Spirit's um interaction with those individuals, whether they embrace what's being taught or they refute it and say, nah, I have a different view, but we're not going to come after them. We're just going to stay patient in our place and, and keep, keep marching as they say, yeah. just keep on plugging. I love it. I love it. And your love for Ula and now your kids, uh, you know, as an example in your uh, community, uh, of course, yeah. What, what's the name of the ministry for everybody that wants to check it out in South Carolina? 
Well, our church is West End, West End Baptist Church of Easley. And so we live stream our services on Sunday and Wednesday. Um, but we also have uh, we, uh, another ministry has just come under our umbrella of ministry. And this is something that's easy to find all over the United States. It's a ministry called BNC, BNC Ministries, and it stands for Brothers and Sisters in Christ. BNC Ministries, and it's primarily a ministry for truckers. So a lot of truckers, they're on the road, they're away from families, and they need encouragement. They need daily devotions. And so um, that that ministry is now under the umbrella of West End Baptist Church. Awesome. Um, yeah. So some of the founding members, one of the founding members of that ministry is a member of our church. And so when he came to the church, uh, the other team, the, the other members of the team agreed to let us be the kind of um, I mean, the term is not a parent church, but it's just that they wanted that affiliation with a local assembly. And so they they chose yeah. West End and it's a great honor. And so we get to talk to people from all over the country. We get to talk to people actually all over the world. We make connections with people in Malawi and Kenya, even North Korea. There's been some wow. listening from North Korea, which I find incredible. Uh, so BNC Ministries is, is part of that. And, and what I do every Tuesday at 1045 on Facebook on the BNC Ministry site is I teach a biblical manhood class. Mm. Uh, and basically it has interaction uh, throughout the, there's, there's literally guys in their truck and they're just listening. And what it is, it's just a biblical perspective. It's just looking at, at historical figures in scripture. We started with Adam and we're just working our way through and we're, we're, we're looking at their lives and seeing their highs and lows, their triumphs, their tragedies, um, what they did right, what they did wrong and mm -hmm. say, how, what can we learn from these historical figures? You know, um, history is, is not to be ignored or erased. It's to be, it's oh, to be learned from. And so, there are good and bad about every single person in scripture. The, you know, in my, you know, and I think pretty much everyone would agree with this. The only man in the scriptures recorded the scriptures that was without any sin, of course, was, was our Lord and savior, Jesus, but everybody else was a very distant second place to him. So, you know, you, when you learn, when you, when you study things, when you study things about Adam, how he parented, how he, was a husband. Mm -hmm. It's amazing what you can learn and apply to your life today. I, you know? I love the outreach to the truckers, you know, over the years yes. in this show, I was shocked to learn a lot of truckers would download. They used to listen live when we were on radio regularly. Yes. Uh, a lot of them would download and still do the podcast version and play it as they're going cross country. I'm like, isn't that cool? Because they're making a choice to get exposed to different kinds of information that they're, you know, yes. they're drawn to now. And the fact that you you plugged into that uh, trucker group as ministry ministering in that way, I think that's great because, and you, most people are not realize how essential they are to the life as we've come to know. Absolutely, it. absolutely, right. it's the food chain, it's the supply chain, but also there are just a lot of great guys who are on the road and they're they're they get a lot of road time. They don't get as much family time, and they need to be encouraged. They need to be inspired mm -hmm. and uplifted to keep you know, to stay the course. Um, another ministry that we've just started recently um, is called the West End Baptist Church Helping Hands. And that's literally just us giving clothes and food and hygiene items to people in our community, you know, free of charge. Um, because it's one thing to say, hey, 
God loves you. You know, Jesus wants to change your life. Uh, well, if that person is hungry, if that person is in need, I don't know how genuine they're going to take your invitation. So we, we, we want to um, try to meet the, the some of the needs of, of you know, that, that our community faces on a, on a daily basis. So I'm very excited about that as well. So I want to talk about uh, faith and needs as it relates to the care of our bodies, physical bodies. Yes, clothing. yes. And a crisis of faith that many people have encountered in this lifetime, including me, uh, in mm-hmm. terms of our reverence to the medical doctor, to modern medicine. Oh, yes. As yes. I've called it now, a church of pharmaceutical mysticism, a false, yes. thing, uh, uh, you know, idol worship, a- any number of things. And um, you and Ula, of course, with your your first child, your son, um, took took them as we all did dutifully to the pediatrician and followed what they said. And, and your son was injured yes. by the, you know, the vaccine industrial complex as such. And, you know, question I have for you, uh, Mark, cause I don't know if we've talked about this as much as Ula has been, you know, outspoken for years, right. And in, in mm-hmm. reaching out to the community that have children that were injured this way. Uh, was there in that experience, a crisis of faith? Was there a moment you talked to God and said, cause it's like, this was what happened with Dr. Batar, for instance. And he mentioned this the other day, how he nearly lost his son to the vaccine injury. And, yes, and 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 you not just petition God, curse God, God. I don't know how did this? And then at the same time said, God, if you help me to get my child back, I will dedicate my life to you. I will never stray. He's never you know strayed from that, and that's a big part of his his journey as well. Um, but was there any kind of talking with God about this situation and waking up to the things that your wife Ula has has become you know part of her life's mission to warn us all about? It hit us differently, but primarily it was the same type of impact. It just manifested differently. Uh, I, I would say the only conversations I could have with with God for several months was, Lord, I need help. I need you to help me. I could not articulate any further than that. I was, mm-hmm. I would say that I experienced a, a new level of depression. Uh, that I had never encountered in my life. I certainly we all we all suffer from melancholy and just from you know just daily despairs from time to time. But this was one of those. It was like a cloud, mm-hmm. and I'd never even heard of autism. My my knowledge of autism was you know Tom Cruise and uh, I can't remember the Rain actors. Man. Rain Man. Dustin Hoffman. That, 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 that was Dustin Hoffman. That that was about all I knew about autism. So I just I just didn't know what we were in for. And when we were first coming to terms with it and first understanding it, it was like the bubble was burst because I was like, okay, so this means my kid is going to be quiet. He's going to be more reserved. Um, Okay, that's great. But when is he going to start talking? When are we going to start doing this and that and the other? And and it was just a major, I I was just having to overcome major disillusionment. And just a massive wake-up call to what more profound, more severe autism entails. Yeah. Uh, it's nothing like as shown in some of the popular shows, like Good Doctor and things, where where your you know your kid is going to be a brilliant doctor or he's going to you know. It, 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 we just were not prepared for the depths of of despair that we experienced, and also just the limitations, just the whole bubble was burst the the dreams of well i'm going to do this with my kid we're going to you know one day we're going to talk about girls together and going to give advice we're going to go to the football games together we it, it just was I, I reached a level of despair to where 
for the first time in my life, and, and I'd actually criticized before, I, I, in ignorance, you know, what's what's up with people having panic attacks? I mean, who has a panic attack? Just get over yourself. That, that was, unfortunately, my attitude at the time. And when the weight of financial responsibility, the weight of trying to find help for him, still trying to pastor a church, still trying to be a good husband, it all came crashing down one evening at my parents' house. And I had to kind of be rushed to the ER. And I just kind of, you know, just collapsed. And it just made me realize that none of us are Superman. Um, and it, it, it really brought to light um, that I needed to. I needed to fix this. I needed to get to a place where uh, I was not just depressed and sad and confused, but I, we needed to get to a place where we were part of the solution rather than the problem. Now, I'm not throwing Ula under the bus. She would she would share this herself, and I've shared it with the church. Uh, I never reached a place where I said I'm having a crisis of faith, like I don't I don't believe this anymore, or I'm walking away. I did reach a crisis of faith in the sense of, you know, God, why are you allowing this to happen? You know, we're trying to honor you with our lives. We're trying to serve our community. We're trying to share the gospel of Jesus. Why would this, why are you letting this happen? I did have the, that type of, of, of crisis, but Ula's ran a little deeper. Hers was one day. She's like, I don't know if I believe anymore. You know, and she had, she had one of those, and it was a very dark few days for me because I thought, well, my ministry's over. I'm going to have to resign from the church. I can't have a wife who is an atheist or become an atheist because of, of hardship in life. But just a few days after that low that she reached, um, she she got completely restored in her faith. She spent a lot of time in prayer, fasting and prayer, and she got completely restored. And it was it was like a shift. The button was the, the, the light came on and and she then rather than. Then, then suffering from anger and bitterness and all those things, she decided it's almost like overnight to become an advocate. Mm. And so, so we then became solution minded. Uh, and honestly, uh, Ula is, I mean, she, she's not just the love of my life. She's, she's actually a hero to me because she just took Michael's calls and just ran with it and became an advocate. And, and he is where he is today, massively improved because of that little mama bear rolling her sleeves up and saying, I could stay here in the depths of despair. I could be mad at God. I could be mad at the doctors. I could be mad at everything. But instead, I'm going to try to fight for my son and get him the help he needs. And I'm going to help others and I'm going to educate others. And so it wasn't that I wasn't on the journey with her, but but there had to be someone who just took complete ownership and ran with it. And and I was certainly there in the journey, but she's the one that really yeah. um, the champion for Michael. She's the champion for Michael. Yeah. And I was the provider and I was I was, you know, uh, the, the 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 primary um, breadwinner at the time. But she was the one that really championed his calls and. Uh, it, it, it's remarkable how much he has improved and, and the strides that he's made and even the health improvements that we've all experienced oh, yeah. uh, as a result of her journey. Because when she became this warrior advocate for Michael, we benefited health wise as well. And, you know, I, I've been here for, we, we've been in the United States for seven years and other than a, a sprain, a, 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 a shoulder injury, 
you know, rescuing Michael once from, he jumped out of the, the window and I kind of dove after him to try to catch him. Mm-hmm. I fell and injured my shoulder. Other than that, uh, not required any doctor's visits or hospitalizations. We don't take any medication whatsoever of any kind. Um, we are completely um, just nutrient based. Me and Michael have our cardio miracle every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided close to two years ago that I have got to get back on the 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 wagon in terms of gym. And, and mm-hmm. since then, my health has improved dramatically. And it's really all of Ula's input and encouragement and advocacy and, hey, we shouldn't eat this. You're probably experiencing this because you're inflamed. And every time you eat this, you seem to react this way. And so she just helped all of us, including herself. She healed her own endometriosis. Um, She has kept us out of the hospital and out of the ER. And, you know, everyone we know, and I don't mean this as a criticism, not everyone we know, but a lot of people. Yeah. I take a pill for this. I take a pill for that. I take a pill yeah. for this. I take a pill. Take. I take it, cardio miracle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I had you know, that experience after going to work out the other morning, uh, and this 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 phrase just came into my my uh, my head like a like a t shirt. Like you were you got faith over fear. It's like we planned. Yes. I've got a black t shirt says you stay safe, I'll stay free. You know, we're talking Amen. About the beauty of the only safety is in. The good Lord above or within. Yes, that's yes. All the other stuff is fake safety. You know, we, we absolutely we make you believe you're safe, but it's a trick, right? And the freedom that uh, you know, I believe that I've been granted to be able to make these choices and and have this journey and make wonderful friends and new family. I I consider you guys part of the family. You know, absolutely. Likewise, meet Thank each you. other and and get a deep you know love and respect, and it's like it makes this journey more joyful. And you know, this this statement came through. Eat whatever you want. We have a pill for that. Uh, yes. And, and it was basically signed your Flexner Report medical doctor, you know, basically uh, that the belief that, that they bring to us is nothing really matters. You can take care of your body, like use that word trash, trash it, and then just come to us and we'll take give you the pill. And it's it's so far removed. From, Shocking. Uh, let's let's just say it. The other word of freedom, the other side of freedom on that same coin is responsibility. Uh, and that's the one most of us would like to shirk. It's like, oh, I like the freedom part, but I don't want to be responsible yet. The mm-hmm. the gift of being responsible for your life, you know, it's sort of like God gives you this body and says, here you go. You can trash it or you can take care of it. And when 100%. you up to it, it's like, and I don't mean ego pride, but there's a, a sense mm-hmm. of well-being, of you know, course. You're honoring the gift and you feel just good about it. And then for me, that's, you know, kind of been my ministry, a healing ministry. Yes. Inspire others to do what they deserve, you know, and like, unfortunately, when we take a lesser view of ourselves and we treat ourselves horribly, because we talk about this lack of self-love, for instance, and and it's programmed into us in in the experiences we have in life. Maybe our parents didn't know, or their parents, there's trauma, there's abuse, things that happen that lead us away. Um, And I, and I thought, uh, you know, how, how do I inspire people, you know, back to health? And I said, I have to share my journey uh, and, and also have that compassion because there are people in the health field that become health gurus that are just beating people up over, sure. you're not doing it this way. Like, you know, militant yes. veganism yes. <laughs> or, or whatever, Absolutely. like whatever works for you. Great. Let your body be a testament to that. Let your cells communicate if it, is it working or is it not? And, you know, you mentioned the, uh, a ministry for truckers and I'm thinking as we're talking, Mark, maybe this is something you want to do. I'm not saying mm-hmm. you, yeah, 
a ministry. For, I'm open to all ideas. Yes. A ministry for medical people that are trying to repent now that they realize the error of their ways wow. and the harm that they brought mm-hmm. to children or their patients, not because they meant to. I, I mean, I don't perceive that doctors are going in to become evil, you know, bringers of death, even though their profession is the third leading cause of death. But that they wake up one day, many have in COVID, then they've come on over and they're very deep faith that they're professing now. And I'm thinking somebody needs to help them to overcome yes. the guilt, yes. the shame, and all of that happens because they place so much uh, emphasis on the ego that, that that they were you know, granted a worshipful like status in our culture. And I mentioned this in terms of uh, my growing up in, the, in Judaism and how the rabbis would praise the doctors in the congregation. And I think that you might say, it might be existing in, in Christian churches as well, where they're praised above all others. It's like, wait a second, what is it that ex- elevates and exalts? And yet the result of what they do outside of the, the places where they have, a, a, you know, a righteous place to serve and they can help people to live. I don't dispute that. But so much has been altered in a way that it has just become its own cult, if you will. And within Christianity, Judaism, and other faiths, they will kind of put aside their faith and, and, and worship them. 100%. We, we find, we, we, we come across a lot of just blatant indoctrination. I can just tell you from our experience, um, when we have had to take either child for like a, a yearly checkup, and, and we're always there, we always make sure that it's very limited and, and we don't, in, they don't invade any area care for them to invade Mm -hmm. but i'm just amazed at how many pills were recommended every little thing that was mentioned well sometimes this they're like well we can subscribe this we we can prescribe that we can prescribe i mean they wanted to prescribe each of our children to a a laundry list of medications and i'm and i'm thinking to myself you know this is so deeply rooted it's so widespread when and and I don't know, and I'm sure you have the knowledge. You would have greater knowledge of this. When did doctors um, stop doctoring? Like, w- 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 when did that transition take place to where they said, "Well, I'm not going to offer any advice as to, you know, um, uh, wellness, dietary suggestions. Uh, it's just going to be appeal, appeal." When did that happen, Robert? Because I, I, I'm just stunned. I mean, we literally could have our kids right now on 20 or 30 different prescriptions for nonsense, uh, nonsensical reasons, just because Mm -hmm. they want to prescribe something else. I know it's money, but but when did that transition really happen here in the United States, you think? Well, I I think that uh, as I've, you know, learned about the history that was hidden from me growing up, you know, in in, in a medical pharmaceutical family, uh, when I encountered the uh, Divided Legacy series of books by Harris Coulter, it was just stunning. Harris Coulter. Harris culture and divided legacy that opened me up to show that history that even preceded what we call the Flexner report of 1910, which altered. And we talk about doctoring, you know, I hear what you're saying because it's teaching. Is it not doctor is a teacher. And yet that was abandoned in the 20th century, particularly following the Flexner report, which basically set um, the accreditation of medical schools up basically to a standard of patent petrochemical medicine response. Right. It's like I said, that, magical t-shirt if you will to maybe wake people up with the absurdity of it eat whatever you want we have a pill for that uh-huh. right that's the we took responsibility for your own health and well-being the care of your body and turned it over to a group of what then became more overtly um pharmacia meaning sorcerers 
Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it means. It's a biblical they, word. Yep. Rather than you know teaching people how to care for the frame, the human frame, etc., we said doesn't matter what you do doesn't matter what you eat doesn't matter. Here's the magic, if you will, the sorcerer's mm-hmm. you know potion. And I, this isn't you know for for people misunderstand that this is not a denigration of natural medicine and herbs because a lot of people will throw in, in fact, misinterpret herbalism and homeopathy as a form of witchcraft. Sure. sure. I mean, I've had that misinterpretation thrown at me from people like certain evangelicals. And I'll go back to Hahnemann himself, who is a very devout believer, and he would succuss, shake his remedies on his Bible. You know, again, he's a person of faith as well. Now, uh, I look at the change, the transformation that happened in the, the, the era we grew up in in the 20th century. It was a result, and our parents often you know, began to turn over to technology. The advancements were so amazing that happened in the 20th century. We began to put our faith in man and man's sure. ability to, you know, invent things. And we strayed away from the reliance on God and spirit to guide us through all that. And that's why, you know, one of my messages in, in the healing ministry is, you know, my job as a healer, homeopath, teacher, doctor, whatever, is not to find the right remedy for you. And I'd urge all doctors of any kind to, to, to maybe come to this realization. It is not to find the right remedy for your patient necessarily. It's to connect them to the source of all healing, all that wisdom. And that's their wow. divinity. And that's their connection to the divine. Because yes, at any sir. moment, you don't have to be a learned MD or doctor of any kind. You could be, you know, the, the poorest in education on the planet. And yet God can speak to you directly. Yes. Give you the yes. insight, the direction that you need in that moment. And it's true also of the most learned among us, the surgeon that is the best surgeon on the planet that has taught this procedure and has done it better than anybody else. And then at a certain moment, spirit, God tries to speak to them and say, in this case, if you do that procedure that you do better than anybody else in the world, you're going to kill your patient. And if they're an atheist, they're going to ignore that message and say, sure they are. nonsense. And they're going to sure. do it. And other, if you are a person of faith or at least open to the, the, the receiving the communication, that moment, despite the fact that everything you've been trained is this, you're going to listen to the voice of God and save that, you know, and, and that's, again, my, my journey in, in hopefully reawakening the physician class, so to speak, those that have gone into healing various forms of it, holistic or not, to maintain that relationship with the divine. And that's yes. where medicine went wrong when it abandoned the spirit, conscience, right? The conscience. Yeah. You know, the, the, John, the gospel of John one verse nine says that he was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So, there's nobody that can say that God has never revealed himself to, to them, that God has never spoken to me, because there's there's such overwhelming evidence that, that, that our conscience level is, is where God communicates with mankind. Um, and it's where he resides in the believer's heart. But even the those that are that, are, that have, haven't received his gift, the, the, those that are are simply a creation of God, not necessarily a son or daughter. No. Uh, they can't deny that God has spoken to them because he he reveals himself to everyone. And so we are very much grateful to to the Robert Scott Bell show and the many friends and, and you know, the, those those that that uh, are part of your network have helped us so much. We continue to be educated uh, and we can and we continue to try to uh, to provide the education, pass that down to others, pass that on, because we, we know what an impact it's made in our lives. It really has made such an impact. And you have really made a difference in our family's life. Um, and I'm just glad that Ula is such a good listener and a good student. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe I should I should be more like her. And, and I am. And she yeah. she's helping me in that. But just sometimes 
Mm-hmm. We don't get the balance right. And yeah. so I, I'm, I've got a lot of catching up to do with her, but uh, I'm very grateful for um, all that has been learned and observed. And um, yeah. we're just very thankful. You know, we have about five minutes in our conversation here. It's been great, Mark, and, and, and your candor, which I expected nothing less than that, because, you know, you, you lead with your heart as well. Uh, and, and you're a strong, powerful man, you know, in that man's body. It's like we recognize the <laughs> way that the spirit moves in terms of the Try male it. and female, which unfortunately has become so controversial, you know, to talk yes. about things. And uh, I don't shy away from controversy, as you know. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I had uh, I mentioned Batar because it's fresh on my mind from this past week. And he, he talked about his experience uh, recently, you know, poisoned to death on death's door. And, the, and God told him, you know, you've got more to do. And you know, learning about the guardian angel concept that we are protected. We yes. have, you know, unbeknownst to us. And I, and I, I look at what I do and I'm like, I could not do this alone. This is not me. You know, yes, no. I have a, a, a knowledge base experience base that has led me to do what I do. Sure. Sure. But good Lord. When I look at some of the things I've accomplished and I say, was that really me? Or is there somebody helping me through the, yes. through the impossible? And I'm like, Try to remain that humility because it's very easy for uh, ego to take over and go, look what sure. I have done. And I yes. think in terms of uh, what they call organized religions or even ministries yes. where you have a strong, powerful figurehead, you know, like, uh, you know, you're a strong man as well. Yet many people are turned off at a certain point. And a lot of young people are of organized yes. religion. And I think partly maybe the misinterpretation of, of the gospel and other things where um, the preacher says, only through me can you get to God, and, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's what mm-hmm. the, yeah. the actual gospel says. Uh, and so that kind of diminishes the, the 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 authenticity of the message in those environments, and it's of course yes. institutionalized it's the point of we want you to be dependent upon us as opposed to connecting people to the source of their yes direct relationship. It's 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 a balance that can only come with the Holy Spirit's guidance because. Um, I tell the church all the time, you know, I'm not going to speak today from the book of opinions, chapter four, <laughs> you know, I'm going to, I'm going to use the the sacred scriptures as a basis. And so when we talk about dietary decisions and taking care of our body, we have Bible for that. The, you know, we're reminded in the new Testament that our bodies are the temple, you know, and, 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 and it matters what you put on that temple. It's what is it's important, what you put in that temple. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's important how you treat that temple. We are the temple. And, and so I have realized that not just, not only alcohol abuse or drug abuse are, are poor decisions, but, but so are bad food choices. And I have been guilty of those food choices. And I have had to, to say, you know what, I don't think I'm being a good example by being overweight, by not being disciplined in what I eat. And, and, and so I, I decided, well, I made, the decision a few times, but I actually put it into practice a couple of years ago to to get really back in shape so that I can be a better example. And, it, and again, it's not everything, mm-hmm. but it, it's it's a vital part of 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 our of our Christian walk is is to not just uh, talk the talk, but walk yeah. the walk and recognize that in the Old Testament, those dietary laws established, and I'm sure you're very familiar with those. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a statement made at some point, you know, if you follow these, you'll have none of these diseases. You know, we, 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 we get these diseases uh, ultimately from environment and from horrible food choices and intake, and, and it's getting worse and worse. But there's so much knowledge about food preparation and unclean foods. And I'm telling you, those, those ancient Israelites, well, they, 
God had it figured yeah. out and it was so, so, yeah, I, so clear. I struggle with the, you know, the kosher or kashrut laws because I, 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 they, they don't, they don't write them in a way that often applies for people. Sure. Sure. Today. Yeah. I, I'm talking more about, and, and again, I don't understand kosher laws fully. And I know there's a lot of additions, but I'm just talking about if you, if you, if you study some of those ancient passages in the old Testament that talk mm-hmm. about the, the, the dietary about avoiding, you know, pork and unclean animals and all that split hoof and the, the parted hoof and the ones that chew the cud. Yeah. Um, it, it's remarkable. Uh, the knowledge that was in there and, and about, you know, cleaning things with running water so that you don't, you know, have stagnation. Yeah, and things I mean, and these were basic Incredible. dietary hygienic guidelines yes. that yes. apply today, but we, sometimes yes. again, we get lost in, in, you know, language, right? And, yes. and that's also, I think, part of it. How do we communicate these ancient texts in a way that lands today, especially for young people that are le- leaving faith uh, for a lot of reasons, trauma, uh, abuse, uh, despair, you know, a lot of them, a lot of this, I believe is from the medical church that has facilitated the work of the the devil, if, if you will, to in, impact and, and turn hearts away from God. Uh, and maybe it's, that's the job and the role of it. So we could come back by choice again. And that's a yes. you know, full circle to that. But, you know, seeing a doctor who's morbidly obese, you begin to ask, well, why would I go to somebody that is not exactly. healthy to get me healthy? Exactly. In the same way I'd look at someone who's preaching gospel or yes. whatever, Yes. And then living completely different, trashing their bodies yes. and going, sure, there's something missing there as well. To be example and not the hypocrite is also going to help bring people back to faith. Not so much about what we say, but how we live becomes that living example for others. So much of our bad feelings, negative feelings, are are brought on by terrible food choices. I am I'm a living testament to that. I, I at times when I have maybe um, eaten for comfort or, or eaten just really unhealthy things, yeah. it can actually affect your mood dramatically. And so imagine this, you're in this vicious cycle where you're making horrible food choices and then you're taking medicine to kind of disguise it. It just, it's crazy. Yeah. And so we really do need a cleansing of the temple in a different kind of way. You know, Jesus cleansed the temple twice, but we need to, we need to have an invasion yeah. of our temple and say, Hey, let's, let's get this house in order. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and let's let's put the right things in our body and let's communicate that message and let's explain to people that God has designed our bodies to heal themselves mm-hmm. and and putting the right things in our bodies yeah. um, will, will 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 help us and to great. overcome a lot of a lot of issues temple. and the temple it's is incredible the building that you worship in it's the it's mm-hmm. the building you inhabit while you are here and amen existence and and i hope that this conversation has been cleansing and helpful and uplifting for all y'all that join us on our sunday conversations mark tinsley my love for you and your family uh is it just you've added a lot to our journey likewise likewise and we thank the world of mickey as well she's what a what a a lady lady. what a lady just amazing what she's seen and witnessed so we're going to wrap up the conversation mark and again love to ula and the kids and uh uh, I will just say, as I always do, and this is for me a reminder as much as it is for me as it is for anybody, uh, the power to heal is yours. You better believe it.